Having completed our celebration of the Easter season and then the two Sunday solemnities of the Holy Trinity and the sacred body and blood of Christ, we now enter, re-enter the Sundays of ordinary time. Not ordinary as in blah, ordinary as from the Latin word for counting. Hopefully the grace that we received in Easter, the grace somehow of the renewal of salvation within us will unfold in our lives week by week so Sunday by Sunday, I'm coming here to hear God's word, to receive Jesus in this sacrament, and hopefully to see how I will grow and how we'll grow as authentic disciples of Jesus. First reading we just heard is from the Old Testament, first book of Kings. It's set in the ninth century before Christ. Two people in it. One is Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah is coming to the end of his very long ministry, and God tells Elijah to go and anoint a young man named Elisha as his successor. Elijah goes off, finds Elisha, and throws his cloak over him, symbolizing that he's going to take on this mantle of becoming God's prophet. Elisha is out plowing with 12 oxen. He receives this, and he runs after Elijah, and he says, first let me go, kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Elijah says, go back. What, have I done anything to you? He goes back. He slaughters the oxen. He uses the plow as fuel to boil the oxen's meat, and he gives that as food to his people. Then he goes and he follows Elijah, and he doesn't. He, he ministers for about 60 years as God's prophet. It is a beautiful little passage about two people who hear and discern the call of God and leave behind their lives to go and do what God wants them to do. There is nothing but good in that passage. And nine centuries later, there is much more. Beginning with Jesus, including you and me, there is much, much more that God calls us to through the Savior of the world. So we just are back in the Gospel of Luke. We're hearing from the ninth chapter of Luke, this, this begins the fourth part of this gospel. Jesus has completed his ministry in Galilee, and now the scripture writer says he's headed resolutely to Jerusalem, where ultimately he's going to give up his life, rise from the dead, and bring salvation to this world. It's a long journey. It's 10 chapters of Luke. Along the way, Jesus invites people to become his disciples. I know you know this. A disciple is someone who chooses to follow Jesus. He never forces anyone to do anything. Has Jesus ever forced you to do anything? He never forces anyone to do anything. He invites people to become his disciples. Those would-be disciples freely choose whether they become authentic disciples of Jesus. If they do choose to become authentic disciples, there are requirements and conditions that they must accept. So what I invite you to do this week Reopen that passage. It's so straightforward. It's on our social media, or just take a picture of the Missalite passage. There are four moments in there in which would-be disciples get very clear instructions from Jesus. I think it's pretty clear. See how this applies to you and to us today. Please don't water it down. Take Jesus at his word and enter into what he teaches. So four moments. The first moment is a would-be, well, First moment is they're traveling through a Samaritan town. 
The Samaritans find out that Jesus and his disciples are Jewish, so they don't welcome them to the town. James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, with plenty of limitations, but they really are following him, they say to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume these people who have rejected Jesus? That's pretty violent and crazy. It is pretty violent, but it's not crazy. Elijah in the Old Testament two times calls down fire from heaven and, his, and God's enemies are consumed. Many people at Jesus' time, and it's cited twice earlier in John 9, think that Jesus is somehow Elijah come back to life. So probably, probably, presumably, James and John are thinking Jesus might do exactly what Elijah did in the Old Testament, destroy his opponents. How does Jesus respond? He rebukes them, the strongest rejection of the possibility of destruction of his enemies and they continue the journey. I presume James and John must say, well, what do we do now? They've been rebuked by Jesus. No suggestion of destruction of his enemies is acceptable. This is a gift from Jesus because now they can continue the journey. They don't have to figure it out at all. What they're invited to do is pay attention to Jesus and how over time he responds to his enemies and they can grow as authentic disciples. Most of us, all of us, at some stages of our life, have to come to terms with our desire for the destruction of people who oppose the truth of Jesus. That can be just we have to all learn how to handle our anger. It can be when people do really, really bad things and stand against Jesus, and I have an inclination to want their destruction. It can be when people do clearly evil things in this world. Clearly, it goes against Jesus, and people are really damaged by this. It can be when you witness in the streets of this country people out protesting with rage over things that totally contradict the truth of Jesus. By the way, all of you Andoverites, did you see this Andover performance again on Friday? When the Supreme Court decision came out, Starbucks, like people jumped up, they left their lattes behind, they went home and they got their pro-abortion signs, and they went to Shawshine Village and they said, we are miffed. And people drove by and they honked their horns for abortion. Every kind of person, BMWs, Mercedes, Range Rovers, the full diversity, people even delayed dinner reservations because we are so angry. Many of you are from Andover. I love you, but that place is a jungle. At any rate, I must come to terms with my inclination to the destruction of people who oppose the truth of Christ if I'm going to be an authentic disciple. Second moment in there, a person says to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus responds, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, the title he uses for himself, has nowhere to rest his head. Jesus is at this stage, and for the rest of his life, a homeless, itinerant person. You and I know that he doesn't ask most people 2,000 years ago or today to become homeless itinerants, just some people. So what could he be saying to this person? I think it has to do with whatever your home is, your status quo, you need to be ready to sacrifice that 
to do what Jesus asks you to do, to follow him. Your time, your treasure, your talent, your comfort zone, you can't expect to just stay there and follow Jesus. You have to be ready to not rest your head. Period. Third moment, a person says to Jesus, Jesus says to a person, follow me. And the person says, I will follow you. Let me first bury my father. Jesus says of all things, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Is Jesus starting a tradition in which his followers don't bury their family members? Of course not. He's actually starting a tradition in which we honor bury our, burying our family members as a corporal work of mercy. I believe I'm confident what he is saying is, if you're going to be my disciple, I demand a loyalty from you that is greater even than the best loyalty you should have for the closest members of your biological family. Jesus isn't teaching us to turn away from our loved ones, but he is demanding that we give him the greatest loyalty because he's God. My father is not God. My spouse is not God. My child is not God. And when it comes down to it, unfortunately, I may very often have to decide to whom do I owe the greatest loyalty? This is a big thing in this community. Many children in our city and teenagers come to understand the truth of Jesus through the teaching of the church and through the scripture, and they have to decide, am I going to follow him or am I going to follow the non-Christian ways of my parents? We have this in plenty of marriages in this community. We have this so often when adult children turn away from the truth of Christ, and parents feel that they're in a position, whom do I choose? The truth of Jesus Christ or somehow a loyalty to my non-Christian child? It is not easy, but this is reality. I wish we could all come to know the truth and practice it at the same time, but we're free and we're sinful. If I make the choice to follow the truth of Jesus, it may be tough, but I am with him on the journey and guess what? It's the most likely way that my loved one is over time going to understand his truth because they encounter it in me. Fourth and finally, in that passage, a person says to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. It's a lot like Elisha in the first reading. Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow, like Elisha, and looks to what's left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. So again, does Jesus start a tradition in which he asks us to never say goodbye to our families? Of course not, that's ridiculous. I believe what he's saying has something to do with building his kingdom is mostly about now, working for him now, and being led into the future by him now being led into the future. We spend so much time in so many cases focused on the past, the good past and the bad past. You don't erase the past, but if you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, you must get to work for him today, and you must accept the future, not fantasizing about the future, not imagining that you know it, but knowing he will lead me into the future. I tell you as your priest, 
I spend so much time trying to help people let go of the past, the good past and the bad past. It is the past. Now is when he's calling you. Now is when he wants you to do whatever it is he wants you to do. Not looking behind is an invitation to freedom. So I invite you to enter into that this week. It's really very clear. If I can get this, you can get this. Just take his words, ask how does it apply to you? How does it apply to us? And I believe we will be living in him this week. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.